All right, everybody ready? Yeah. All right, we are in Romans chapter 12. Uh, I encourage you to open your Bibles. We say bring your Bibles here in New Hope because that's what we teach. Uh, we teach through books and chapters throughout the Bible. And, and uh, we are in this series, if you're new here to New Hope, we're in this series going through the book of Romans, which is a rich, deep, thick book. Okay, there's a lot in it. And uh, we started way before Easter, and we're going to end at the end of August. And, uh, and we're kind of breaking it up into different series. The series we're in now, it's the end part, is what we're calling Living a New Life. Okay, living a new life. Now we create resources for you if you're new here to New Hope. Um, we have these things called series guides, and um, the series guide is available in print on the table on your way out. You can grab one at the Welcome Center. You can probably grab one. Um, it's also available digitally on our app. It's at the very top of our app and on our website. Um, you can just go to mynewhope.tv forward slash Romans, and it'll get you there. And um, and it has just a, a plan on how to spend some time with God each day. Um, to, to read the scripture, which we provide you a reading plan, you just, if it's online, you just click it, and it opens, and you just read it. It's, so we try to make it as accessible as possible, um, especially if you're new to this. Um, and so you just read that verse, and then you make an observation about it, something that kind of sticks out to you, or the Holy Spirit's kind of revealing to you. And then you make an application. Well, what does that mean for me? What do I do with this? And then P is prayer. You want to talk to God. You want to ask Him and bring things to Him. And so that's just a simple method of spending time with God each day. Um, because we know when you come on Sundays, if all you do is get into God's Word one day a week, you're going to be starving the rest of the, the week, right? We don't want you to starve spiritually. Um, so we feed ourselves. We go to the buffet of God. We go to His Word. And uh, we're going to talk about that more. So grab one of those if you don't have one. Um, and uh, spend time with God each day. Find a quiet space and a time and, and, uh, and make it a priority. So, Book of Romans, man, the first 11 chapters of the Book of Romans has been all about what God has done. The first 11 chapters. And finally, not finally, but like here we get to uh, chapter 12 and it changes, Paul changes his tone in the letter to Rome. And it's now, it's about, well, this is all that God did. Now, here's what it means for you, right? This is now how you ought to live because of these first 11 chapters. And that's what we're digging into now in chapter 12. And that's why I can only do two verses this morning. Because <laughs> like the first two, it's kind of like a bam, bam, right? The very first two verses of chapter 12 hit us straight, um, just, yeah, straight in the middle of life is where it hits us and where we are. Now, with this, we also always do a memory verse on, on, on that reading plan. And because I'm the one that makes the thing, I made up my two favorite verses, all right? So it's, it's, it is Romans 12, 1 and 2 are the two memory verses. Um, for me, the, memorizing these two passages were, um, they were foundational to, to my faith journey, okay? And I believe they can be for you too if you hide these verses in your mind and live them out uh, through your life. And so the very first one is Romans 12, 1, which we're teaching on today, but we're going to read it out loud together. Um, so is everybody ready? Ready. All right, so let's read this out loud. You can read it up here on the screen with me. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're going to learn this and what this means and, and what it means for all of us, right, together. Now, here's the funny thing, because I only have two verses. I am still going to have a stand, and I'm going to read the first two verses together as we read the Word of God, okay? And so if you have your Bibles, again, um, you can pick them up, and let's stand together as I read Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
Um, here at New Hope, we stand when we read the main passage for the day as a part of us honoring God's word. You, you would honor somebody who it was very important who showed up in the room, right? And, and you would stand to honor them. That's what we do with God's word. We honor it. We want to put it at the most importance for us to learn and grow. So this is what it says. I'm reading verses 1 and 2 in the NIV of chapter 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, your word is true, Amen. and we uphold it today as the truth that can change our life. I know, Holy Spirit of God, that I cannot do anything in my own power, my own wit, my own words to change any of us. We know that's what you do, God. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you enlighten your word to each of us as we come before you humbly, seeking your will? And so just lead us in this message, and in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Man, we're, we're making you stand and sit and stand and sit. Some of us, it's our only exercise for the day, right? So it's all good. Um, that was not a put down. I'm sorry. If that came across like, a, just so, if you're new to New Hope, sometimes Tim says stuff and like they just, it just comes out. And if I offend you at all, I apologize. Um, put it on your note and I'll send that to Jim. Um, so, so here we are, right? We, we've made this transition we are in verse 1, right? And so I'm moving it from a memory verse to a regular verse now, all right? So now it's a regular verse up on the screen. Um, so this is, where we're, this is where we've come to um, in this passage, and it starts with one word, and the one word, everybody say, say this first word with me, therefore. Now, why is that there? It's therefore a reason, right? It's therefore. He's saying, therefore, what? Well, because of everything I've said so far, Right? Because of everything I've talked about in the first 11 chapters in this letter I'm writing, therefore, so everything else that we have experienced, everything we have learned, I, I have a list, okay? So here's the stuff that we've learned that I want us to build this foundation when we get to verse 1 of chapter 12. There, therefore, why? Because God has justified us by faith. We have faith in him, that we have been given access to God through God. We have the hope of heaven. We've been shaped by our trials but that God has good for us even in the midst of trials. And we experience his overflowing grace and his mercy. He's given us the Holy Spirit inside of us. And no matter whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, you have all of God's great promises. You are invited, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are saved, and God has done it all. Amen. Therefore, so he starts. Therefore, because of all of that, because everything God has done, because the first 11 chapters, God did every bit of it. We did none of it. We did not justify ourselves. We did not forgive ourselves. We did not save ourselves. We did not give ourselves the Holy Spirit. None of this is about us or our power or our strength or our goodness or any of it. All of us are sinners at the foot of the cross. He says, no matter what, all because of what God has done for you. Therefore, do you see why I can only preach on two verses this morning? Therefore, what should we do? What should we do? 
Let me go back. Because of all that, I urge you. So he's like pleading with us. He's like, I, I want to beseech you, brethren, is another way it says in the versions, right? Like, come on now, brothers and sisters. Like, this is what I'm talking about. He says, in view of God's mercy. We talked about that last week, right? God's great mercy. He is rich in mercy. It's because of his mercy that we get to experience his salvation, right? Because of his great mercy, he has given us to do what? To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this goes back to Old Testament, right? We, we've learned a little bit about the Jews, that our history is the Jewish history, that we have received and been brought in by the blood of Christ into the promises that were given by the lineage of the Jews in Israel, right? And, and so we've been gone through those promises, but we see in the Old Testament there's this process of, of um, animal sacrifice that had to be done at the temple in the process of forgiveness of sins for the people. So they would bring a perfect, unblemished animal to that temple to say, I'm putting my sins on this animal. And it was ritual as, as a signature, actually as a prophecy of what Christ was going to do ultimately for us, that then that animal would die on behalf of that person. And so those were dead sacrifices. Once they're dead, they're dead. But because we we're not just dead. We've been raised back to life in Christ Jesus. He gives us new life. We are not dead sacrifices any longer. We are living sacrifices. Amen. That, that we are alive in Christ, but we do something with our life. We give it back. We offer it back to God. We, in, a, in essence, we lay ourselves on the altar of God and say, here I am. All, and why? Because everything you did for me. You have proven everything. Why would it not be reasonable for me to say, so here I am? Right? He says, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So we're not offering him the last of who we are, right? We're not offering him like, here's my leftovers, God. I'm pursuing the world first, but here I am last, right? Like, say, no, no, we're offering him our best, the things that are pleasing and holy, that we want to be presenting ourselves as pleasing and as, a, as holy, this word holy, this is what the word holy means. It means pure, morally blameless, and sacred. Now, this is, this is kind of a backwards thing, right? Those of you who haven't grown up in church, or maybe you grew up in church and it was a legalistic church, which meant get holy so you can get to God, like that's legalism. You don't get holy to get to God. That's not how it works. Can I get an amen there? Right? That's what we learned in the first 11 chapters. Like, we cannot get holy enough to get to God. Like, that's not how it works. But because God has saved me and made me holy, my response is I want to walk in that holiness. I'm going to choose to set off the things that don't look like Christ. I'm going to choose to set off the things that actually make me look more like the world and the things that actually break things in my life. It's a good thing to get rid of those things. It's a good thing to set those things aside and to set those aside and give God your best to give you what he's put in you, which is his holiness, his righteousness. It says, we present ourselves to him not as like the leftovers, but God, here I am. I'm coming to you. All that you have done for me, now I'm giving you myself first holy. God, I'm, I'm desiring to walk into your holiness in my life. Now, are you going to be perfect in this world? No. One person knows it, right? Like, 
<laughs> Anybody else? Are you going to be perfect in this world? No. Like, we've proven that. Like, no, we're still going to mess up. We're, we still need help. We still need Christ to teach us and grow us. We still need to be around people who help us and help us grow and love us in grace and patience in that process of growing. We're never going to get to perfection here on this earth. But we are going to get better. We are going to grow in holiness. We are going to be setting off those things that don't look like Christ. And on that journey of looking more like him, we're going to be doing that. And as we do it, we give ourselves to God in that process of becoming more holy in our lifestyle, our choices, with what we give to God. Would you want to give to God as a sacrifice your worst sin? Or that addiction that keeps coming back? Like, if I'm in God's presence, I don't want to be like, here, God, here's my crap. The good news is he's forgiven us all of that. We're forgiven and justified before him. He doesn't see it and say, well, now you can't be with me. He says, I made you holy. That was his part. My part is now, God, help me to live that way. Help me to choose to walk in that way. And not out of guilt, not out of like legalism, not out of like, oh, they're going to judge me if I do this or do that. Like, no. It's the heart. It's a heart's desire to live for this God because of the therefore. Because he saved me. He forgave me. He, he paid the price for my sin. His son Jesus was the ultimate, perfect, blemish-free sacrifice. His blood instead of mine. His body instead of mine. Paying for my sin once and for all. Therefore, God, here I am. I want to live for you. I want to offer you my best. I, I want to bring to you my best. I, I want to grow to be like you. The desire isn't external, it's internal. Does that make sense? Yes. And when we do this, it's holy and it's pleasing to God. He, he loves it when we give ourselves to him. It honors him. This is your true and proper worship. Now, when I say worship, I don't know what you think about when you say, if I asked you, what is worship? What would you say? Some of you would be like, well, you know, worship is like that. It's when I sing on Sundays and the team's up there and it's like, who is like the Lord? You know, I'm like in it and it's like my favorite song and you're singing it and, and like I just feel the spirit. That's worship, right? Like you just feel that. I think, you know, yes, that's part of worship, but that isn't all of worship, right? Well, it means it's like when I'm in my private, you know, quiet prayer closet and it's just me and my eyes are closed and I just experience God's presence in a real way. Like that's worship. Yeah, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it, Right? Those are just moments of worship. Worship isn't an event. It's not something you go to experience and leave. When we're talking about worship in, in this verse, like this is God's call for us as Christ followers. Because all he's done for us, he says, would you worship me? And don't worship me just on Sundays for an hour. Would you worship me with your whole life? Would you lay yourself before me? This is what worship is. This is, this is Tim's definition Worship is when you choose to adore something more than yourself. And the reality is we worship lots of things all week long. We adore things before ourselves all week long. It's those things that we think about. It's those desires. It's like, man, I wish I had that, 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 that. What we're doing is we're worshiping that thing, right? It's like, man, I wish I had a boat. That's legit for Tim Broughton, by the way. Like, like... <laughs> It's not going to happen because I know when you have a boat, do you know what you have? Boat problems, right? So I don't want boat problems. I want a friend with a boat. So if you've got a friend with a boat, <laughs> call me up. Um, but 
okay, how many of you can you hear what I'm saying? Like that, that old desire for that thing, because I think that would make my life a little bit better. And then I can start looking online on Facebook Marketplace for boats. And do you know that there's no end to the scroll on Facebook Marketplace? And there's lots of boats, right? There's just lots and lots of lots. And like, so I can start adoring boats because it's consuming my thoughts. It's the thing that I want. I am worshiping getting a boat. We do things like that to things all the time. It's whatever you adore more than yourself. It's that thing that you think about more than anything else. And I'm telling you, for all of us in this room, there are probably things that you think about more than you think about God. That thing might be the thing you're worshiping rather than worshiping God with your life because you're willing to give what you got to that rather than saying, God, today I'm yours. What would you have me do today? How would you have me live today? What do you want to put off in my life today? Yeah, that just shouldn't be there. That's living as a, as a living sacrifice. Every single day is a choice to worship. I'm already going long. Here we go. Okay, so this is, this is, this is what I want you to fill in the blank on. Um, I, I read that already. That offering your life to God daily is the greatest act of worship. This is what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and viewers, God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, meaning this is the, this is the embodiment of worship. And it is proper. Why is it proper? Because of the therefore. <laughs> that offering your life to God daily is the greatest act of worship. That's why I say start your morning with God so you can give it to God. Because when you give it to God, you're worshiping God at your work. God, today I said it was your day, and it's not going the way I wanted it to, but I'm going to choose to worship you in it. And some days it's, God, today's a great day. Thank you for it. I get to worship you in it. You worship in the good. You worship in the bad. You worship in the blessing. You worship in the trials when you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. I think I have another slide here. It says, because of all that God has done for you, the reasonable response is to give your life to him. This is reasonable. Like, right? Like, all of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, all that he's gifted us because of all that he has done, the first 11 chapters, it is a reasonable request for him to say, would you give me then your life? And when you give him your life, just so you know, he's not like, great, now I can destroy you, right? Like, that's not it. He's like, now I can work through you. Now you get to be part of this great kingdom work, bringing heaven to this broken earth. And I'm telling you, this earth needs it more than ever, amen? amen. And so we get to be joining into that mission as we offer ourselves to him daily, living sacrifices to worship him. If that's all I had to say today, that would be enough for us to figure out how to do, right? This is the first call in verse one. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices designed to live holy, setting aside the, the sin of this, this flesh to be pleasing to God and to worship him. Now, we're gonna move on to verse two. Okay. Does everybody go with verse, verse one? Yep. Okay. Half of you are, half of you are not. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> verse two. Because verse two is like verse one is the, this is the reasonable response, right? And the verse two is like, and this is how you kind of do that, 
right? Verse 2 is, here's the tension you're going to live in in trying to do that. Here, here's the tension between um, what you want to do with God. Remember how Paul like wrestled with that? It's like the, the thing I want to do inside that's good, I don't do that good, and I do the thing I don't want to do. Ah, how cursed am I, right? He said, but thank you to Lord Jesus Christ, right? Like he's like, it's Christ in me that's taking me on that journey. In, in verse 2, he says, you know, verse 1, living sacrifice, worshiping God daily. Verse 2, but here is the tension you're going to live in daily in this process and how you do it, okay? Okay, is everybody with me? Okay, so let's read verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Yes, please, right? Like, we all desire that. We want to know God's will. And there's different types of God's will. There's his moral will. There's his perfect will, right? And, and how does that all play? I'm not going to teach on that today. Dang it, right? Like, if you want to know that, we did a whole series on God's will, okay? And, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to dig deep into that part. But I want to talk about the first part. Um, does anybody here love Jello? We got any like people like love Jello? Like, <laughs> all right. So, some of you love Jello. Um, so, have you seen one of these? All right. So, so you could call this like a cake mold, but I'm going to call it a Jello mold, right? Because, like, um, have you been to those gatherings where the family shows up, and there's that one aunt that always loves bringing the Jello? If if you love Jello and you make this, I'm. Forgive me, all right? So, because there's something with Jello, all right? So, like, here's, here's a picture of, of, a, of a typical kind of fruit Jello um, mold that would come out, all right? So, so, that actually, okay, it's got strawberries, it's got some grapes in it, and different, different, like, that looks like a good fruit salad Jello mold kind of a thing. So, you're like, already, no, 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 no. If it has to stay in that shape, no, can't do it, right? So, because what happens, like, so you have a mold like this, you fill it with this liquid, and, and with this liquid, then you put it in the fridge, and then what happens to that liquid? It, it, it turns into this interesting thing, and then, but it keeps the mold of whatever it was in. And so when you take it out of the mold and flip it over, it's going to be then the same shape of whatever mold it was put into, right? Some of you, I don't know if you've ever tried this one. Take a picture of this one. So that is SpaghettiOs and hot dog jello mold. Somebody in the room is excited. I don't know who it is that you're like, oh yeah, my mom made that. We're calling child services right after this gathering. I love this one meme. All right, go to the meme. It says, uh, it says this, how to get out of potlucks for the rest of your life. Okay. <laughs> Look at this jello mode. Okay, I think that's spray cheese. Spray cheese around the outside, and then I'll zoom in on that for me real quick so we can be disgusted. All right, so I think that is, um, it's got olives, it's got ham chunks, um, it's got peas in it and carrots, and I, I don't know what the slimy, th is it oysters? I don't even, like, if you want to get out of any, you know, potluck. All right, so here's my point, now that you're not hungry anymore. Here's my point. All three of those were put in a mold, and all three of them came out shaped like that mold. There was different stuff inside of them, right? Some, the fruit one's like, okay, okay, okay. The other one's like, no, thank you, right? Like, I don't know what that is, but whatever was in when it poured out is what came out, right? That's what a mold is for. We all in this world are being put into the mold of this world. 
We're being conformed to the shape of where we are, and whatever's inside of us is being shaped into that mold. Some of us have some good things in us, and so when we pop out of that mold, there's some good stuff in there. Some of us are spaghettios and wieners, man. Like, like that is, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, dear Lord in heaven. The abomination right there. That's the Antichrist. I don't know what that is. But that's what a mold does, right? And so when he, when he uses this whole idea that, that do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, there's a pattern in this world. There always has been a pattern in this world. It's, it's developed by culture, by society. And honestly, the things in our heart, like the, the sin nature that's inside of us, no matter what generation, point of history, like a lot of the same things go into that mold. And whatever comes out, it's the same shape. The, the majority, think about this, the majority of what we do, that our actions are not really thought out. It's just gut instinct and automatic reactions. It's the brain finds the shortest distance from thought to action. I've talked about this whole neural pathway thing before, right? That our brains are amazing creations. God was like, is such a creative creator. In no way in ever will humanity be able to duplicate what is inside here and how this brain works with electricity and flesh and neurons. And like, it's, it's amazing. And what ends up happening is our brain finds a way to create the shortest path from thought to action, and, and which creates in habits then, right? Routines, things that we don't even think about that we do. Like when you brush your teeth, which side of your mouth do you start on? You probably don't even think about it, right? You just had to think about it, like, oh, oh yeah. Because your, your brain's like, this is how we brush our teeth. You don't even think about it. We have these neuron paths. I've read a lot of books on habits and how habits work, and it's, it's crazy, and actually it's very scary how, how people, how the world tries to mold the way our brains work and function to make habits that we never actually wanted habits, but now they are habits, and we do them unconsciously. Um, have you ever heard of this thing called marketing? Welcome to our point of history, right? Marketing. Um, it's it's uh, behavioral psychology. And it started, you know, early 1900s when somebody said, hey, we've got this new thing called mass media. How can we make somebody do something? And they started working into this behavioral psychology to change how a whole country responds to a stimulus to make them do something and create a habit. Some of those first commercials were about toothpaste, about soap, about... So they weren't necessarily evil things like, yes, clean yourself, you know, clean your clothes, brush your teeth. But it came pretty soon to where all that was doing was continually creating a discontentment in society. And welcome to the world we live in today. We are designed and wired neurologically in the culture we live in to never be content. So the shortest synapses, neurons going from one thing to another have decided, well, that's the pathway. And that's the world conforming us to it. To it. Things like that, things like social norms, right? Things that become socially just the norm in cultures change the way we behave and, and put us in a mold. We think about the enemy of this world, which is Satan. He is up to some things, trying to help you to be conformed 
to this world and to his plan, which is to kill, steal, and destroy things in your life. So there is a pattern of this world that is continually trying to conform you. Let me talk about phones, all right? Anybody have one of these? Smartphone, right? I can remember when these did not exist. And the goal was to get the smallest phone you could. Do you remember those small flip phones? Like they got smaller and it's like, hey, what's up? You know, like, like we, we wanted small phones in our pockets until we realized, wait, this is an awesome screen. I can watch movies on this thing. And so now it's like, some of you are carrying like laptops in your pocket, clipping it to your belt. Hey, what's up, guys? You know, like, like we want big screens because we want to consume the content on those bigger screens. It's not smaller and smaller. It's like bigger and bigger. How can I get what I want on this thing right in my pocket all the time? This is, this is how far we've come. And this is like, what, 2007, I think, is when the iPhone was, was, came out. Um, and so this is a very short period of time. Um, some of you young people in the room, you don't know what it's like to grow up with a phone in the kitchen, right? With one cord that was really long, Right? I remember those days, and I remember when I had to remember my best friend's phone number, right? Like, like I remember 345-5505. Like, I remember the phone numbers. Like, poof, they're ingrained in there. But here's, um, uh, that's, I don't know why that's there. All right, sm- smartphone stats. Listen to this, okay? Being conformed to the pattern of this world. 81.6% of Americans have a smartphone. 81.6% of everybody that lives in our country has one of these in their pockets. The average person in America touches it 2,617 times per day. The average. That's the average. I dare you to start counting. (laughs) The average American spends five hours and 24 minutes per day on their phone. Five hours and 24. This is the average. This is even like the extremes. About 60% of all web traffic is on smartphones, 60%. And then across the world, 6.92 billion people worldwide, 86% of the population of the world have one of these. Do you think this is shaping and conforming you to anything? There are these things that are so funny. There's a syndrome that didn't exist before 2007 called the phantom vibration syndrome. Has this ever happened to anybody? Your phone is somewhere way far away and all of a sudden you're like, bzz, bzz, oh my, my phone's you know, buzzing. And, you, and you're like, oh wait, my phone's not on me. But it keeps buzzing. Anybody ever have that happen? All right, so you have a syndrome. <laughs> if you want to, you can just call it, you know, PVS. I got PVS, you know. Phantom vibration syndrome in my pocket. Or, or some of you have ringxiety. You're going to miss out on something, like if the phone rings or something, but like you, you need to catch up and just keep it in you so you know what's going on or what is that notification, what is that ding, was, oh, there's something that has a one or a two on, on my screen. Like we, none of these things existed. We are being conformed. And the media and marketing and the culture doesn't have to go very far to have access to the way your brain works. I've been so guilty of this. Um, our family, you know, we're talking about Soul Care Summer. And um, our family is, uh, Nikki and I specifically, are, are trying to cut some things out of our lives. Um, read a book called The, the, um, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you ever read that book, it's a really good book. Okay. And it just gives some simple things. It talks about simplicity. We live in a complicated world, and we complicate our own lives all the time. And, um, and I didn't realize how much my brain was wired 
Like if I'm watching a TV show that I enjoy, if a commercial comes on, what do I do? I start scrolling doing a commercial because I'm, what? Where did that neuron go? Like what the heck? And I'm having to break things out of myself from that being conformed process. This is what I know, and this has not changed. Uh, first, first John 2, uh, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Whoa. If you love the world, if you're being conformed to this world, you're missing out on the love of God because you're letting the world conform you away from. And he says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. It's like, do you hear the tension that we live in? The world is trying to conform us into these things. The lust of the flesh. This is what our body desires, right? Like, I want to fill my body with that or experience that with my body. Right? The pride, uh, the lust of the eyes, that's the discontentment, continual discontentment. See, nothing's changed. Our sin condition is just the same. And the pride of life, just like, look at me. I'm just trying to go to the next step in life and the next step in life. And then, like, continual discontentment. It will never fulfill you. And yet the world tells us, keep doing it. Just keep on doing it. This is the biggest enemy of you being a living sacrifice is putting yourself on the altar of the world instead of the altar of God. Adoring and habitually accepting being conformed to the world rather than adoring and spending the time with your Heavenly Father who is doing something different. Countercultural. I t- more than now, I want to be very countercultural. The world says, satisfy yourself, get more, and be discontent. I love this image. It's kind of like a monkey trap. There, there were these, uh, I heard about the story in Vietnam where they were trying to catch monkeys. And they figured out a really easy way to do it. They would take a, um, a coconut, and they would hollow out the coconut, and, and then they would tie a rope around it and tie it to a tree. And then they would put a banana inside that coconut. And they made the hole just big enough that a monkey could stick his hand and paw in there to get that banana. And so what the monkey would do, it'd smell and smell inside of it, and it'd be like, oh, banana. And it'd stick its hand in there and grab that banana. And then it would not let go of that banana. And it kept trying to, how do I get it out? How do I pull it out? And it would never let go of the banana, therefore stayed trapped, tied to that tree with that coconut around its fist. It would never let go of the banana. And therefore, got trapped. Welcome to, the, to our world. It wants us to put our hand in and then just say, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go, stay trapped. And God says, no, there's a way out of this com- being conformed thing. There's a way to be free from being conformed. And I don't want you to miss out on this reality that Satan is alive and active. The God of this age and Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So Satan's you got the world and you have Satan. And both are working together to conform you, distract you, kill, steal, and destroy. Like that's, that's what is going on. What is Christ trying to do? Let's go back to the verse. 
We're talking about being transformed, okay? Let me go back, 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 back. Do not be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, say it with me, transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind. Your mind. When we see in Scripture when it says things like the mind, it's not just like thinking. It's almost like one of those statements like the core of your being kind of a statement. It's, it's like your mind, your heart, who you are. You, you renew the way you think, but it renews who you are. It's the center of your being. And so we're called to be transformed, right? Not to be conformed, but be transformed. See, being conformed happens from the outside in. That's what the mold does, Right? That's what the world's trying to do. It's trying to conform us from the outside, putting pressure, shaping us, and whatever we're trying to put in, it's still being shaped by whatever we're putting in. It's outside. Transformation is from the inside out. It starts from the center of your being, the Holy Spirit working in the depths of you, who you are, your mind, to transform you into something, into the image of Christ. It's into his will for your life. To be transformed. It's, it's the word, and in, in, I'm not good at pronouncing Greek words, but you'll recognize it. Metamorpha-u, is that how? No, metamorpho uh, uh oh uh-oh, all right. So it's uh-oh, metamorpha-o, all right? What's that sound like? Metamorphosis, right? That's, it's that same word. It, it, that's what we're called to do, to be transformed, to be metamorphosized. I don't know if that's a word either. To change, and here's what it means, to change into another form. Conforming is to change into the form that's molded around you. To be transformed, it's to change from the form you are into something completely new and different. This is the work of God inside of you. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Oh, I missed the fill in the blank, didn't I? Was it up here? No, it wasn't. Are you? Oh. No. It's not there. No, I'm telling you, because here's the words. You ready? You got your fill in the blanks. Because it's a word that I've never made you write down before. Okay? There is no chillaxin. I wish it was on the screen. C-H-I-L-L-A-X-I-N. There's no chillaxin in your spiritual life. Meaning there's no just resting back. There's no like, yeah, you know, I know God, I'm good. I'm just going to chillax here, you know? Like, there's no chillaxing in your spiritual life, right? You're either being conformed to the world or you're being transformed by God. There's no chillaxing. There's no like, I got saved, now I'm good. Me and Jesus chillaxing. No. There is no sitting spiritually. They're either being conformed to the world because that's always happening. You can't stop that. Or being transformed by God. Sorry, I missed that one. And I didn't even have it on the slide. Sorry about that, guys. You know, I was chillaxing. On my, when I was doing my sermon notes, I was chillaxing. And so now we're talking about that be transformed. We're not being conformed, but we're being transformed, changed into another form. You guys know the, the, kind of the easiest symbol of... of um, of transformation like this is the caterpillar, right? So here's a picture of a caterpillar. Caterpillars are kind of creepy, to be honest with you. I mean, some of you think they're kind of cute, and some of you might pick them up. Don't, you'll die. Like, so, like, like caterpillars, 
So this is a caterpillar. It's cool looking. I mean, it's got cool stripes. It's got all that kind of stuff. It also ha- is eating something. So it has teeth. It'll bite. You'll die. All right, so don't... I'm just kidding. But when you see that, you don't, you don't think that is going to be something amazingly beautiful someday, right? You don't think that in your head. You just think it's a caterpillar. It's there. It crawls across things, and it eats my plants, right? That's all we think about the caterpillar. But in, it is metamorphosized, right? Like, so it changes into a complete, here's a picture of what it becomes. Like, right? That's beautiful, when you, whenever you see, there is a, I don't know about you, and this is a guy or girl, okay? If you're a guy and you're like, I'm not like that, shut up. So like, because here's the thing, anytime you see a butterfly, you should be like, that is so cool. Like if a butterfly flies by and lands on me, I'm like, this is awesome, right? Because it's beautiful. It's like, there's something special about a butterfly. Go to the last picture. So this is the process that it goes through, all right? And it starts looking like a weird wormy thing, metamorphosis. It now changes into something completely different. This is what God does inside of us. He transforms us. We were lost, broken, sinful. He says, now I'm making you alive. Don't be conformed to this world. I'm going to transform you from the inside out. The best thing that we have been given to, to go through that process, the metamorphosis, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds is God's word. I'd rather be transformed by his word than conformed to the world. So this is your fill in blank on this one. Scripture is the catalyst for transformation. That's why we say read it every day. Spend time in God's word. And just so you know, when you read the Bible, there will be days where like, I just read it and it, and it wasn't like, whoa, like, if I can be honest with you as a pastor, not every day is like, oh my gosh, that was the best thing I ever read. Some days it's like, I just learned something. And that's a better day than being conformed to the world. Because it is a journey of transformation. Little by little, when you spend time in God's word, he starts changing you. It is not instant. I read that and I'm different the rest of my life. If that happens, man, that's a powerful Holy Spirit moment. For the majority of us, it is, I read some today, I read some the next day, I read some the next day. And do you know what? A year later, I'm a different person than I was last year because he was transforming me. Little by little, renewing my mind, putting off the old, putting on the new. For your head, so this is the scripture, the catalyst for transformation. From your head, changes the way you think, to your heart, the kind of core of your being, to your hands, how you live. And that's how that metamorphosis happens. From your head to your heart to your hands. You start looking different. And then he ends with, you know, with with what I said. I don't have a lot of time to dig into this. Then, after that, after you've gone through this process of transformation, then you will know what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I just want to, just real quick, God does have a will for your life. And these are good words. God's will for your life is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. When we walk into his moral will, when we start to choose to live the right kind of life, when we, when we put off the things that don't look like him anymore, and that's his moral will, like those are non-questionable things. Like when we read it and we obey it, that's us walking into God's will. 
That's the easiest way to walk into God's will. Then maybe his specific will for you, like should I take this job or this job? Sometimes God has an answer for you in that process as he's transforming, you're renewing your mind, and he wants to walk you into that specific thing. Sometimes, do you know what God says about his will? You choose, I'm with you. I love the verse that says, whatever you do, do it as for the Lord. So sometimes God's will is whatever, just do it for the Lord. You choose, I'm with you, right? So don't get caught up in the whole like, ooh, God's will, you know, like... Do you know how you find his will? You start living into his will. And as you live into it, you start testing God's will. That's what it says. Test his will. Test the things he calls you to do. And it's like, I feel like he's calling me. Well, then test it. Look for affirmation in it. Look for godly people, you know, BGPs, big godly people in your life to say, yeah, I see that and affirm it. And then test it a little bit more. And then you'll be able to prove because you're being transformed that that is God's will that I am moving in the right direction. And sometimes that's years and years. Sometimes it's moment by moment. But we learn to trust because we're worshiping our God and setting our lives before him every single day. This is his plan for us. Okay. I've gone long, but this is good stuff. Let's just take some time to respond. We're going to sing a song of response here in a moment as we just let God work in us. And and so let's just take that time right now to respond. Let God speak to you where you're at, wherever you are this morning, with him, maybe with this world, maybe in your own heart and life. God, we, we need you. We thank you for your word. That's true. It's, it's, it, your word is active. It's, it's a living word. It has the, the power to get, go to the depths of our hearts and reveal things in us and also to free us. I want to talk to the Christians first in the room. And here's my, here's my question, because I'm wrestling with this stuff too, guys. I always say up here, I'm just a, I'm just a sinner at the feet of a Savior and, and trying to help us all along the way. But the thing I'm learning is that I need to simplify my life. I need to... If the world is always trying to conform me, why am I letting it? So the question for those of you who are believers already in the room is how are you allowing the world to conform you, to shape it, shape you to its mold? How are you allowing it? Because the, the fact of the matter is you have a choice in it. You don't have to let it, let the world do it. You have a choice. What in your life is molding you? Is it social media? Is it the type of news you listen to? Is it the circle of friends you're around? Is it, I, fill in the blank, right? What are those things? And I would encourage you to start cutting it out of your life. Little by little. Cutting it out. Removing that so you are no longer being conformed to this world. Probably another good question, and I love that Pastor Jim, um, throughout these months, is doing these videos and, uh, uh, as a part of our Soul Care Summer, and he talked about contentment. A good question here is what in your life brings the most discontentment in your life, right? What makes you discontent? Because that might be a thing that's trying to conform you. Now, if it's God making you discontent, he's going to make you discontent about the sin in your life or the selfishness or the things you do need out. But if the world's bringing you discontentment, it's trying to conform you. So that might be a good question for you to wrestle with this week.
I want to challenge us, all of us in the room, start your day with God, start your day in his word, start your day with the Holy Spirit, and daily give your life to him. It is our reasonable response for all that he's done for us. Now, if you don't know God and you don't have a relationship with this Jesus I'm talking about, here's the bottom line. God so loved you, he sent his son to this world to live perfect and blameless, to die on the cross. His death was, he took your sin. Sin causes death and he paid for your death on that cross. His blood sacrificed, his body broken for your forgiveness. And it says if you confess him as the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again, that you too can be saved, you can be forgiven, you can be justified, you can have all these gifts of God and be with Him forever and experience Him today. And if that's you, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say, you pray too. It is a good day to give your life to this God who loves you. So if that's you, just pray with me right now. You can say this, say, God, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all, but I want to be forgiven. So I'm going to confess that I believe Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross to pay for my sin so I can be forgiven. And I believe he's alive today and that I can be alive spiritually in your presence. And I'm asking, would you forgive me? I want to turn away from my sin. I want to look more like you and I want to be free. Give me your peace and give me your Holy Spirit. And I just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And if that was you this morning, we want to know about it. Let's stand together, church. We're going to respond to worship. So if you can stand with us. We're going to sing a song that makes this proclamation what we just read. It's a song that's called Build My Life. We're going to sing.